can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Hey, all right, there. hey, Lavelle. Hey, hey, listen, let me say hello to everybody. Welcome to all of our guests and visitors, everybody tuning in. This is the Real Well Radio Show. I'm your humble host, Richard Wilford. I'm super glad that you tuned in. I'm happy to be able to share with you today. Um, just glad to be alive, and I'm happy uh, about my guest today, uh, Lavelle Smith-Hall. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well, Richard. I'm doing well. Happy holidays. Hey, it's coming. It's coming and it's here. And so is the new year. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share with me, just to have a conversation with me. And I'm okay with everybody just eavesdropping in on our conversation. Nothing scripted, just our conversation about what we want to talk about. And that subject I wanted to talk about was... Um, I wanted to talk about this idea of setting goals between parents and children. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I wanted to talk to you about it, because I think you have done a super job uh, at raising your kids and preparing them for adulthood. And um, I think it would be good and wise for us to just at least especially as we go into this brand new year. I just I just spent time. I, I looked at it. I interviewed 20 people and we wow. talked about um, uh, gear for the new year, ideas and thoughts and things that people could use and or think about as they prepared uh, for the new year. I had a super great job. Uh, talking about that but I want to talk to you about this thing of setting goals but how do we include our children and uh, I just want to get you interested absolutely Any, <laughs> listen anything to do with our children yeah. ultimately our future is is what I love to talk about look personally and professionally so you got me all right let, let, let's jump in okay uh, your two children are and their ages at this point and what's going on in where they are in life? Yeah. Uh, so Alec is my oldest. Yes. Alec, A-L-E-C, right? Uh, often when when we, he was first born, yeah. you know, we, we'd have this, is it Alex with an X? Is it Alexander? No, it's <laughs> Alec, A-L-E-C. Alec. <laughs> so Alec, Alec is 22. Uh, he is a recent graduate of Cornell University. Come on, man. Uh-huh. And he now uh, works for Vanguard in the Philadelphia area um, as an investment analyst. Go so, ahead. Go ahead, Alec. Very excited for him to be a, look, working professional who can <laughs> who can now afford his own bills. Look at that. Um, yeah, but really proud of him, and not just because of um, you know all the accolades that go behind it, just because of how he's evolved yes. into this um, boys to men category. And so, um, certainly, yes. there's more about him. But as we go in further into the conversation, then there's mm-hmm. Braylon. Braylon is my youngest daughter, my mm-hmm. only daughter, mm-hmm. and she is 16. 16. That's yeah. That's Sky. Yeah. Is 16. Yeah. Lord. So yes, I, I can't believe it. She and Sky, same age. So you know we have the same journey. Yeah. And uh, soon to be high school students and and on their way, uh, <laughs> whatever that looks like, right after college, because. You know, the expectation is it's going to be the same for everyone. I no longer have. So love the conversation about how we talk about goal setting and what it looks like for your children, because it doesn't always have to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for others. And then, uh, so yep, so she's your junior in high school and, and she has one more year. I just counted it, Richard. She has three semesters and one summer before college. Wow, you have reduced it down. Wow. But yes. that's serious though. It is. It is. That's it just is how because, serious yeah. it is. And that's just how fast it goes, right? It does. And so when we, we think we have 18 years, but we really don't. We think we have all this time, but we really don't. And so when you get to how much time do we really have when there's not hustle and bustle and the grind, because um, everybody's doing more, right? Um, it's how much time do we really have to be parents, for them to be children, for us to develop and grow as a family. So it's all these things. And uh, I use that in my, uh, in whether I'm in front of parents and I do a lot of um, parent speaking uh, as a parenting coach, as an emotional intelligence consultant, as a mental health coach. Um, I have one-on-one clients, I have groups, I go into businesses and schools and organizations, and I often talk about what we're talking about now, and the, and the topic varies, but when it comes to what does it look like between parent and child, we really don't have as much time as we think, because years seem like a lot, but when you get down to what, how much time mm. will we really have to shape them and get them prepared for the world, we are not very intentional. We don't sit down and think about it. And we just go, go, go. And when you look up, they're gone. They're literally gone. Well, let, let, let me ask you, let me ask you this because, uh, um, because I have my observation and here, here, here's my, my observations. I'm sure there's some statistics somewhere to kind of bag it up, but here's, here's what I think. I think that generally, Parents that don't go to college and finish college, ultimately, the children. Let me just flip it. Uh, mo- I think there's a high percentage of parents that go on to finish college, trade school, and go on to deg- finish degrees. Have children that go on to finish, to go to school and finish degrees as well. I think when it's just the opposite, parents that don't have. Uh, don't go on to college, don't finish college as a high percentage of children that don't go on to do the very same thing. In connection to that, I want to I want to also suggest possibly children, uh, parents that didn't set goals and didn't have clear goals set or and assisted to have clear goals set by uh, by parents grow up to be parents who don't help children assist their children in setting goals for themselves is that a right observation or is that what do you think about that observation i think it's a it's one perspective um i don't think it's i don't think it's inaccurate i think that because we model the people that we see the most okay right 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 right. Yeah. yeah and so whatever that you know so if you're in the household as a child and you see your parents who are married you know, and then that is what your narrative is, and that's what your condition, um, and, and, and as it relates to relationships, if you have parents yeah. who argue, fuss, and fight, that's what you may see, and that's what you because that's what's being modeled, right? Right. Um, my parents didn't go to college, actually, my parents both got their GED, okay. Um, however, education was huge in my family growing okay. up because they did not. 
finish okay. and get a high school diploma. And because education, not the traditional standard, was important, that wasn't the, the value system was learning and knowledge and growth. And so I learned goal setting in college, but I the foundation of growth and development and aspiration um, and ambition started with my dad, who received a GED. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, it's, yeah. It's, it's, so and, and of course, I'm I'm never saying that because it start one way, it was this that doesn't have to be the other way. Right, I, I right, just noticed right, it, right. just like you said. I yeah. recognize with yeah. association yeah. with yeah. Uh, those who are uh, we are uh, in association with have everything to do with under under the leadership of as well. Uh, yeah. Kind of trailblazed the way for us as well, and so. Uh, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you did share that because it, it just changes the narrative as well. Because even though they didn't, it was important yes. when you were growing up. Yes. Education was important. Correct, and it was all sorts of education. So, what I'll go back and I'll say as a baseline to everything that I do, you know, as a professional, but certainly this is a combination, right? Because we know each other personally. Parenting, um, oftentimes, is not with intention. Okay. Okay. So I'll say it again. Parenting is oftentimes not with intention. There is an ex, uh, there is a uh, misnomer and um, a myth that when you become as a woman pregnant with child, you know, expecting a mother that you're going to know it all, have it all together. And you're going to know instinctively what to do because books and movies and other, Mm -hmm. you know, fantasies tell us that, you know, this is what your experience is going to be. This is what your child is going to be. This is how it's going to play out. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll flip it. I'm not a male. I'm not a dad in that respect. So I would imagine that there are some expectations about what it should be like when a man finds out he's going to be a father Mm -hmm. and what comes with that. Well, I mean, that is not true. Like we are humans and we are flawed and we don't have it all because exactly what you asked earlier is that we, well, no one was at, no one, want, no one asked to be here. And right. so you get what you get. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> some of us, you know, are born into or grow up in a XYZ household or environment and some of it plays out like that. But for the most part, it does not. And because we're human and we're flawed, we come into our parenting with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety, quite honestly. Yes, um, yes. Right? A lot of um, yes. fear and, and trepidation. And mm-hmm. so now you have this human that you, that the world expects you to grow up to be great. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Raise them to perfection. <laughs> yes, and and so unfortunately, we believe that we believe the myth. We believe the misnomer. We believe that all of this is because we could just snap our fingers, and this is what's going to be. And that is with me as a mom. I, you know, I would assume that's with you as a dad. It's, Absolutely. But when you get into the conversation, and we can have it apparently and authentically. And- Truthfully, that is not the case. So going back to what I said, we don't parent with intention. We parent with love, most of us. Um, We parent with the best of our ability and our access and knowledge. But 
if you're 17 and you have a child, which is what my mother was when she had me, like, what does she know at 17? Like, that's like close to Braylon and it starts, you know what I mean? It's like that, they're not, they're not, and certainly, you know, much younger than say Alec, right? They right. don't have it to give. So kids, what do they give? Right. Kids, kids having kids, right? Yeah. Let me just ask you this then. The purpose of mom logics. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about mom logics and what the purpose of it. Why was it established? Yeah, so that it's, it's a, I love the question. So thank you for asking. So as the founder and chief mom of mom logics, that um, really essentially was a God idea. Like God gave me that work, the body of work that I'm still doing and I'm still in the midst of. And at the time that he gave it to me, I was not professionally in the space of working with moms or parents. I was personally in the space sharing with moms my experience with uh, the journey of a yeah. child, you know, graduating high school, going off to college, right? And so I was doing, I wanted to do these workshops and then God gave me something bigger and, and I didn't know what to do with it. So he gives me the name, I name it, and then I start to do the work. But the catalyst of Mom Logic wasn't born until um, a dear friend of mine passed away from a heart attack at the age of 47 and leaving four children behind. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And at the time, you know, when you're dealing with stuff as a woman, as a mom, it's a lot. And if you don't have a safe space to juggle it all or to unpack it or to even have this sort of conversation, um, it gets heavy. And it, and for me, I knew that there were a lot of other moms, including myself, that were deal- that we were dealing with emotional, mental um, struggles around you know, how we mother, how we parent, and how we show up in spaces where we're not judged. So taking that experience and then, you know, falling back and saying, if it's not just me, if it's not just my girlfriend, what other moms, particularly Black moms, who else is dealing with the uh, the uh, mom-ish, as I call it, yes. um, right, where we are often judged because... Uh, and let me say this, we're often judged, not because the people in our space, they, they, there's some hateration or they don't like us and don't love us. It's actually not that. It's that they are showing up in a space that someone showed up for them in, right? Meaning, okay. this is how you parent. This is how you mother. This is what you should and shouldn't do. And so what others don't realize is that we get all of this advice. Right, we get all these suggestions, we get all of the criticism, we get all these things all that start to pile up on all the things we're already doing, right? Um, and if we don't have a space to really just to 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 allow us, right? I'll go back to one of the first questions. So allow us to be mm-hmm. the parent we need to be for our children, right? Me, for um, for for Alec and Braylon, right? Not my mom, but mm-hmm. for me. Right. Not my mother's mother, but for me, not my husband's mother, but for me, mm-hmm. if we're never given that opportunity, we feel um, it becomes a lot. And we, we often don't have a way in which to um, care for ourselves and then also be the best mom we can because we're operating in a space of guilt and shame and fear and trauma and stuff that we haven't even worked through because we don't have the safe space, right? 
Yes. I, it, it becomes a lot. And so mom logics exist to be able to give moms, particularly the black mom, a space, a safe space, but then a space where she's able to authentically be herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have evolved over time. We are now a black maternal health and wellness company that really focuses on moms who busy moms, right? Mm-hmm. Who we help make their lives easier, right? And we're also in a development of an app called Melinda, which will also help her to be able to check health risks early, right? Because if okay. we don't take care of ourselves emotionally, mentally, it then starts to affect us physically. And so the app will have symptom checkers and all sorts of amazing things. I mean, daily affirmations and journal writing and voice activation um, and an AI component where we can, in our own safe space, which our phones are our third hand now, Absolutely. be able to tap into um, a community of moms that will exist on the app, but also other um, life-saving um, applications that will be a part of it. I think it is absolutely brilliant. The entire idea, uh, and I've watched from a distance from LS, LSH. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, I, I just mm-hmm. watched the transition of all of that, as well as as well as uh, you know the kids growing up as well. And again, I think you did such an amazing job. And I'm and it's and sometimes it's a thankless job, and it's tough because you just. You're doing the best you can, you know, and so many parents are just doing the best they can to do what they can. Uh, and the ch- children today are not the children when when we were growing up and, and the dynamics all around is totally different. Yeah. What, what I wanted to um, ask you about was, um, let, let me tell you, well, in my own experience, and again, and in my own experience, in coming up as a child, most of us, it felt more like what we knew about goals, graduating and goals and careers was when you get 18, you're out of here. Mm-hmm. At 18, you're out. So mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> so, so it's, I mean, just thinking about that makes me cringe. Just to think about when you're 18, you out of here. That's it. And that's all you get. Mm-hmm. And. And so, and the only time I think, in addition to that, now the credit to parents that 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 I think even my parents assisted me and said, okay, well, we're gonna try some things. We're gonna do basketball, football, baseball. We're gonna do all of this to see where you're at, mm-hmm. and, and trying to locate what we think you may be good. Where's the talent? Where maybe a gift? And try to find that because I truly believe I, I'm really. Uh, seriously bent on finding that that you love to do the gift and talent and do that and the mm-hmm. sweet spot is doing what you love to do and getting paid to do it and takes care of you and your family I live by that one but, I, but I'm saying but there's no other connection only connection I know other than that is for the average person is the the guidance counselor in sophomore year or whichever year that we call ourselves stacking together um, classes uh, according to what we say we think our field is we're going into in addition I say and I'll pass the ball back to you it was I heard um, senior year senior year in church was all the seniors get up and say uh, my name is, is John Jones and 
uh, I'm going to Grambling, I'm going to IUN, and this is my major. When I was coming up, the big, big major was computer science. Everybody <laughs> computer science, and, and everybody okay. had all of these things that sounded good. Yeah. And that was pretty much the sum total of career direction. Other than that, it was, of course, before us, it was, you know, get a job, find a job, go to work, take care of your family. So yeah. I guess my question in saying all of that is how much a part do you play or what worked for you and how did you approach that uh, that idea? How was it how was it presented to you? And then how how did you approach that when it came to your kids? How much a part of a part of that did you play is what I'm asking. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Did I say too well, much? I'm sorry. No, you did not. Of course, never. Um, you know, it can never be too much for me when it comes to what we're talking about, which is, you know, our children and our future. Um, so a couple of things you said. I agree. I, I believe that to go back to a comment I said earlier in a statement, and this is a belief from mom logic that <clears throat> moms, the crux, right? We believe that mom, particularly the black mom, is the nucleus, is the hub of the the family, right? Okay. And if she's the hub of the family, then that means she's the hub and the nucleus of the community and not just black community, right? So we know that historically I mean, she is the glue that holds it all together. And um, what, in, what ends up happening generationally um, from what, what one generation to the next is that we often want to raise our children how we were raised. Okay. And so we find ourselves as parents, as moms in particular, who were judged, but we're judged on antiquated values mm-hmm. that applied and worked in, in generations before us. Yes. It doesn't ever work in the present generation. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when you talked about the community science and 18 you're out of here and you know this is what you should focus on I mean our parents didn't know because the world hadn't even evolved to that right you're talking about you could still go up the street and down the street and be with grandma and auntie and them and you know everybody was getting together in one big house well I don't even live in the same city with my family and most of us do not live down the street and around the corner from family so we don't have the same sort of dynamic that's happening we have evolved mm-hmm. um unfortunately we feel like parenting should not <laughs> and, and right. so i can't apply everything that my dad and mom instilled in me and taught me it went to alec and braylon gotcha I, I, it's just not possible and so for me what's interesting is i i was intentional once i became pregnant with my first child, Alec, I was intentional on the type of parent and the type of man mm-hmm. that was going to leave my house at 18. So okay. That, okay. that's where it started. It didn't start. People would ask when Alec went off to Ghana at 17, how did you let him go to another country at 17? I said, well, I didn't just let him go at 17. I started this process well before that. I started this process like four and five. I knew that there was going to be a time in his life where he would have this opportunity. So I prepared then. 
I didn't mm-hmm. wait till 18. I didn't wait till 17. So when that opportunity came, I was ready. We were ready. He was prepared. And that's part of the planning and the goal setting. It's not for us to wait until it happens. It's the same thing with faith. It's like, I know it's going to happen. Uh-huh. I know it's going to I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't touch it. But one day it's going to happen and we are going to be prepared. So that was my mindset. It's my dad who poured into us education and knowledge. Mommy saying, knowledge. No one could ever take anything from you. They can't take away your education from you. Go after that. Daddy saying, hey, you need to have your own business. You need to be able to do your own thing. You become your own boss. Although they never had it, they instilled Mm -hmm. it well before we even saw it existed. So um, I was able to receive that. Now here, let me add this other important component. Oh yeah. Because oftentimes parents feel and believe, and not just parents, but people in general, that it has to be an exact way, right? It Mm -hmm. has to be this exact formula in order for it to happen. I, I disagree. I believe that it is what you make it. And so I'll be really raw and very real with you and transparent, which is who I am. Mm-hmm. I was a I was a single mom when I gave birth to Alex. Okay. Okay. I was not married to my husband. I was a single mom. And what I said to Alec was, families come in all shapes and sizes. Yes. No one will ever shame you into believing that a family is only a man and a woman and children with a dog and a white picket fence. Right. That is not a family. Family is what you make it. We are a family of two, and families come in, two dads, two moms, Mm. a grandma. It comes in all shapes and sizes. It doesn't come with what somebody in society wants you to believe. So I had to tell my son and teach my son the values that I wanted him to see and not what the world wanted him to believe. Okay. It started there. Um, as we, as he, and so then I also adopted a lot of what my, my dad, who, oh, the other part was I was a single mom, but my dad died when I was 18 and my mom six years later and I was 24 Mm. and I had a second mom in my family. So I had another mom who was really instrumental in helping to rear me. But my point is my parents, my, my mother and father who Mm -hmm. created me weren't here by the time I became a mom they were not on this earth okay gotcha and so it was what was instilled in me long time ago about what was the importance of education and knowledge and family all of those things I brought with me when I became a mom and I was very intentional about what I wanted him to be like when he left the home and had to get out right even if it was going to college at 18 yes um And so that's where I adopted parenting with intention, which is all about who is my child, what is his strength, to your point, what are your gifts and talents, Mm -hmm. and how do I shore you up? Not for now, because I have a saying with my kids, and I ask them, do I teach you for now? No, mom, you teach us for life. And so that's what I instill. I do not teach you for now. I teach you for life. This you're going to see again, and again and again so take notice and 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 allow it to take root because whether i'm here on earth or i'm cheering you on in heaven this is what it's going to be for you and i need you to take me to it now <laughs> I, I i i really love it uh, f- for some 
I pray that this be an encouragement that we did make some right decisions. And for some, I hope it arrives in enough time that we say, hey, we can make some adjustments. Uh, but I love uh, how you how you uh, speak about, hey, I'm preparing you for what's to come. You know, with Sky, I started because I noticed that some people would, you know, when kids cut up, some people would say, okay, go to your room and, and read this Bible or read this book. And you made reading a punishment that makes reading that makes a kid turned off to read. What I did with Scott was I started taking her to Barnes and Noble. Uh-huh. Okay. Hold on. Can you, can you, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Now I can hear you. You went okay. out. You said, I love it. Cause I'm preparing you for what's to come. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I was saying, I told Sky, I, because I heard some parents would make reading a punishment for kids when they cut up, go read. But mm-hmm. with Sky, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I want, because I knew how difficult reading comprehension and stuff would be was for me. I said, let me take her early on to Barnes and Noble. And from an early age, we would start going to Barnes and Noble, even so that at 16, me and her walking to Barnes and Noble together, stop, inhale the coffee. And it's, it's a, a Barnes and Noble is like a Mecca for both of us. We love going. And yeah, as a result, love she it. loves reading. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's because I, I knew that early on that, uh, this was going to be important later on down the line. So it was with travel. Can we just touch a little bit on travel? Um, if, um, I I noticed that your kids traveled early. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. did mine. And, and, and so why is that important? Well, it, it somewhat speaks to what I said earlier about the question about, Oh, you know, you let your son go to Ghana. Um, you know, in, in it, it, it's preparation, right? I knew that I, I wasn't sure how many children I would have, right? Alec and Braylon are six years apart. But what I knew was that whatever his future held, it had to do with getting on a, a plane somewhere and, and being able to, you know, be without me, right? Whether that yes. would be without me for an experience, an academic experience, a, a, a athletic experience. Mm-hmm. I did not, in my own fears and worries and anxieties as a mom, want to be the reason that he was held back. I also did not want him to feel as if the only experience he could have was within the state that he lived. I knew that the world for him and my children would be much bigger. And in order for that to happen, they had to learn how to travel confidently. They had to learn how to be one with the world. And so I also knew that Um, One, I'm a New Yorker. I live here in Illinois, but I am a born and raised New Yorker. (laughs) I left that uh, New York City and finished high school in Connecticut, but then I went on to college in Atlanta, and then I had a job that took me to nine different states, and I had friends from college, and they were all over the U.S., And but I knew that the world... was bigger and and even I knew it had something to do with technology but I also felt like it had to do with energy and just who we were as humans and that 
there will be different perspectives and there will be different energies. And so when you travel outside the U.S., then you learn like, yes, I say that I'm a New Yorker. I say that I'm a Brooklynite. But when you go out of the country, you are an American. That is what you are. You are an American. (laughs) That's what you are. If you're from Brooklyn or you're from the south side of Chicago or you're from somewhere in, in, in Indiana, right? You are an American and you are treated as such. And in some places, Americans are not always loved. Um, and so I knew the world was was a bigger playing field for my children. And I wanted them prepared. So Alec took his first flight alone at eight. I was preparing Braylon to do the same. Um, she, she wasn't able to crack that nut until she was 11. But again, intentional. How do we set this up? Did I just take my child and put him on a plane? No. And let them, no. We we prepared for this. We made um, you know travel boxes where you had all your goodies and snacks and in, in the box, you know, and the things you like. Like Alex, he he was like not the reader, right? He would go up to people. He would meet the world. Someone would say, "Well, what do you like to do?" And he's like, well, "I don't like to read." I said, "Alex, that's not how you respond." That is not the response. It's like, give them, <laughs> give them what you like to do. And if they ask you about reading, it's like, well, you know, I, I do. I, you know, I, I, there are books that I've read, you know, but I prefer these things, right? You don't have yeah. to just throw yourself under the bus, son. Right. Um, <laughs> and so because it, it, it hits differently when people think you don't read. It's not that. I mean, to your point, we all have gifts. We all are great. And Braylon, oh my gosh horrible at the piano I tell people this story all the time yes it was something that Alex did really well took to it and, and, and it's the math and science you know in him mm-hmm. Braylon was on the same book for about five years like daughter I love you but this is not your gift and we have spent too much time and money on this same these lessons and mm-hmm. you've been on the same book like we got moved and we got a chip but that's acceptance. That's saying that's not her gift. Let's get you into something that is your genius, right? Because yes. it's going to yes. save us a whole lot of time and money. Yes, you know I think that that is absolutely amazing, Sky. And some of it, some of it's by, by default that that uh, our kids have to get on planes, and some of, but but some of it is is on purpose, and uh, ultimately, uh, Sky Rochelle as well, and Angela. I, I call it the, I call it the flying bug. When they get that bug of flying, you you cannot undo that. Once your yeah. kids enjoy, for for me, uh, I had an uncle and aunt that uh, would travel in the summer times, and he had vans. That's when vans were really big, and we would travel. And as a kid, I was at I went to uh, Canada three times. We were down oh, south no. almost every year. We were camping, and so all of that helped to shape. Uh, me, the first time I got on an airplane, I was going off to the military. Mm-hmm. First time I got on the train going to Chicago, I was going over to the MEP station uh, to take my uh, military test. And so, and then going from small town Gary to big town Chicago, all of these things can be so overwhelming and such, uh, such a battle of fear and anxiety uh, for the kid. Uh, and that's why it's so important to think early on about these Correct. things. Because once Absolutely. you travel enough, you start figuring out things like, okay, l- learn to read the signs. You you know all the streets. The streets are either uh, numbered or presidents or names of trees or some. There's some system in mm-hmm. how this thing operates, and you you mm-hmm. you know you begin to connect the dots in any city. 
Uh, but that comes by traveling. You're not so overwhelmed. And so um, I highly recommend that for parents to, to however you begin to formulate that. I love what you said about they have to learn how to operate without you, because if you wait until they get 18 and that's the first time they've ever been away, <laughs> away from you, you know, that it makes it you know what i mean it makes it tough it makes it tougher for them as well as for you I, I, and i know we can continue this conversation forever because there's some there's some moms as well as dads that have a hard time letting go they do and and and, and i'm glad you brought that up because you know i i i am it's it's a challenge for me to um, hear certain things about parents and decisions and make sure that there is um, the, the what I share is with love. I'll say that, right? Yeah. Because I don't ever want to come from a place of judgment. But I, but I no. do think that some parents, parents, you know, they they parent with um, too many handicaps. Mm-hmm. Um, they they they're not. A, they do too much coddling. Um, their kids are not prepared because they are, um, they, they just do too much. I mean, you got all kinds of helicopter, you got the snow plow, you have all these terms. At the end of the day, your children are not prepared in a lot of areas. And I'm not just talking academically because academics are going to be put aside, whether they finish high school, go to college, academics aside, are they prepared for life? Which is why I say, I'm not teaching you for now. I'm teaching you for life. This is going to come up again. So when you talk about Sky, you talk about Angelo, you talk about getting them prepared. The navigational system of a train or airport um, or a city street, you know, route, right? We're not even mm-hmm. talking traveling state to state. Let's just talk interstate, inner city. Yes. There is a confidence that comes with knowing I'm able to get from point A to point B on my mm-hmm. own. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about a vehicle because again, I grew up in New York City and a car is not our main form of transportation. Right. Right. So I, when people meet Lavelle Smith Hall and you've met me, there's mm-hmm. a certain level of confidence, but the confidence didn't just come from the things that I learned um, in a classroom. Right, right. Or in, a, in a university. It came from mommy and daddy saying, hey, you're 10. You need to get from point A to point B by yourself. And and if you can, adults can't navigate New York City subway station. But for us and my family, we learned to take the train at 10. I got to get from my house all the way to my Aunt Paula's house in Red Hook or my house all the way to my great-grandmother's house in downtown Brooklyn. I had to learn that. But it you develop what you do for that with your child, what you do for your child in that process is you're teaching them a sixth sense. There's no way that I can learn danger from another energy or individual if I'm always sheltered and behind my parents, right? There's no way. I don't know how to ask for anything. I don't know how to to open my mouth. I don't know how to, you know, pull away. I don't know how to go to safety because I'm always around an adult. I'm not given that opportunity. So I go back to the kids. Alec and Braylon, whether you could read or not, you were ordering your own food at two. But you know how to talk, right? Or three, whenever you could form a sentence. Mm-hmm. What is it? 
Hey, waitress came, tell them what you're having. And so I got them comfortable with adults. You prepared, Sky, you prepared Angelo. You know, you just didn't drop them off at the airport, right? So there's a navigation, there's a logistical thing. There is a, okay, I went that way, I'm supposed to go this way. I'm gonna get frustrated, I'm not gonna get it right, but I'm gonna figure out how to ask for help. I'm gonna figure out how to get to where I'm supposed to go. Point A to point B, it's just not in a, on a train or a bus or airplane. It's, it's, it's figuratively. It's, our life has just hit me. How am I going to get from point A to point B? And who am I going to use to help me navigate the world? And I'm not talking just transportation. You know, this this is such a, a, a deep conversation because uh, when you lack this stuff as children, you ultimately end up being a, an adult with the same <laughs> issues. And it just affects you in so many ways. Uh, I would like to touch on, and then I want to ask you, then I want to ask you, let me ask you now mm-hmm. so you can start formulating what I'm saying, what I'm saying. I want to know, I would like for you to kind of help us with how can we begin talking to our children about planning their future is what I want to ask you. Um, what, I, what I wanted to say, that's age, whichever. Okay, let's go with that one. It'll, it'll okay. come back to me. Um, <laughs> you say that's age. That, that's, that's age. I'm trying to, it, because there's so many things, I guess, that just come to my mind when, when, you, when you're talking. I know what I want to talk about. This is what I want to ask you. Because a lot of times, a lot of times, our phobias and the things that we failed at and struggled with and things that have happened to us, the trauma we went through, is very dangerous if we don't overcome those things or if we dump those on our kids. If I had a yeah. problem with, if if I almost drowned or fell in the pool when I was 11, yeah. Yeah. now all of a sudden, I dump that fear on my kids or, you know, or whatever yeah. it may uh-huh. be, by example. Yeah. yeah. Your, your thoughts about that? I just, yeah. I, we, we say that in mom logic, you know, we pass on to our children more than just the genetics. Okay. Our, our genes, our DNA. We, we pass on fear. We pass on shame. We pass on guilt. We pass on trauma. Um, we pass on uh, a, a lot of those isms, right? I, I was guilty of that. I grew up in, like I said, Brooklyn, New York. And when I was young, young, pretty young, about seven or eight, I was almost kidnapped. Mistakenly kidnapped, but literally like a television show that we're watching where a car pulled up the one uh-huh. guy jumped out i happen to be with a child a friend a neighbor an adult neighbor thank god and it was a struggle it was like a tug of war and and, and she's like what are you doing you know and my dad's nickname is peanut she's like this is pat and peanut's daughter and they the whoever what the, the, the guy was thought that i was related to someone else but i okay. wasn't it's just okay. that the guy was a friend or like a, a, a loose lightweight friend of my dad but she struggled she held on to me thank god right uh-huh. it exists so my fear was that someone when I became and I didn't realize they even had it didn't realize the trauma the PTSD was still with me until I gave birth to Alec and he started asking at eight you know hey mom you know can I walk with friends I might be he's a kid that can fly by himself and my kids would always wonder like what is that psychology mom like that doesn't make sense I can get on a plane I say, yeah but I can put him on a plane with the flight attendant I know he's gonna be safe and he's gonna get 
far right. across the country and then somebody gonna get him off the plane right but to, for him have him walk to the library by himself i had a problem with it and i had to it wasn't until i dug deep like what is this and i connected it to my fear of uh, and the reality of the trauma behind me being almost almost being kidnapped right snatched from the street yes and so we unfortunately we don't have that same space we don't have the safe space. We don't have a space, particularly, I'm sure, for males and black males. Where do you go to unpack the things that happened to you in your Absolutely. childhood and trauma, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So you do. You pass it on. And it's not until like an organization like Mom Logics who says, hey, we are intentional. We have formed our, we are here. We exist to provide a safe space for you to start to unpack this, where you can start to dig deep and make those connections and, and connect the dots. Once I connected the dots, I realized that was me. And I had to start to let go. You brought this up before. In order for my children, in order for my child to live and make his own way. So there are some things that I had to work through. And there are some things that we have to work through. So um, we have to begin to do the work that is part of the work as a parent. It's not just, I know we think, I got to feed you, I got to clothe you, I put a roof over your head. But what else is that uh, entail as a parent? What other responsibilities come with it? And it's, it's also for us to figure out that this is their time. They didn't ask to be here. We, just, right. we brought them here. We now have to prepare them um, so that they could be um, as great and as amazing as we know God would want them to be while they're here on this earth. Um, I hope that I answered the question. No, I know there's you, probably you, something else. Okay. No, yeah. you did. You you, you did. Okay. I, I'm okay. glad you spoke to it and even use your own personal example, because I think there's so many people who have those things that have happened to them. And those very things affect how we cover and protect our children. And most times when you see it, you see, when you see it in the kids, you say, well, it evidently must be some trauma somewhere back in there that happened before and we just dump this stuff on our kids versus taking it identified and taking an, uh, a positive approach to it. And if it's by chance swimming, then take take a swimming class with your kids or, or you know what I mean? That, that whole type of thing. So, well, so, well, can I, before you go on, because yeah, I, yeah, can I just yeah. add one more thing to it. Uh, what we also found in our research and our, we, with mom logic, right it started out as an organ a gathering place socially and then so we've evolved in courses and we do um you know when the pandemic happened we did mom check-ins and we brought in experts and be and because of the app development we've done a lot of focus group with moms like focus groups over 50 moms to ask questions and so we know that we're carrying things right we know we haven't released it so here's a question how can i release you and let you go when i haven't let go and release things that happened to me when I was your age or younger. <laughs> right. Right? That's, right. A, that's a hard thing. So when we talk about the swimming, I know that culturally that does exist right across the board. I want to speak to that. My dad would literally, Richard, we'd go to the swimming pool. No one knew how to, no one was taught how to officially swim. You know how I learned to swim? Daddy and my uncle would literally throw us into oh, the pool. And you had to sink or swim. I hate that. A- absolutely. But let me tell you what your girl did. I learned. So I said, how did you, what did you do? I held my breath all the way to the bottom. 
and then I use my arms and my leg and I swam to the other side. And it's no sooner than I got up, they'd be right there to throw me back into the water. And I did the same thing. I did not learn to officially swim until I went off to college in my sophomore year at Spelman. I, learned, I took a swimming class. However, that's just swimming. But let's talk about something that's a little bit more, um, it, 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 let's talk about something that's just as common, but not as often talked about, which okay. is um, child sexual abuse, right? Yes. When yes. you have women and men, moms and dads who say, no, you can't go spend a night at nobody's house. Yes. Yes. I know as a coach, I know as a, as a professional that oftentimes it's not because I just don't know that person. It's that something happened to me when I was a child and I need to protect you. And so that is PTSD and that is trauma. We don't have a space to talk about that because we haven't even let that go and been and sat with any professional to even talk about and admit that that's what happened. We know we do what I did was like, no, you can't go off by yourself. You can't go off by yourself. That's the fear that is with us and we can't let it go. We can't let it happen to our children. So all we can do is keep you protected. So here's the thing though. And I've said this to clients. I've said this to friends. You are afraid of your child taking mass or public transportation, right? Because you believe that you're always going to be there. Well, life is not always that way. And one day, whether you're, you could still be here on earth, but not there. You missed your train. You can't get to your child. You can't pick them up after school. They're used to you getting them. They don't know how to get home. My biggest fear, and I've said this, your biggest fear as a parent would be that my child is out in the wilderness and they are not equipped to take care of themselves. So like mom is teaching me the train, right? It's like, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to navigate it. I can't just keep taking you along for the ride. I got to show you in the event anything happens. My dad didn't know he was going to leave here at 18 when I was 18 years old. My mom didn't think that. They didn't have a date. But that's what happened. Were we prepared? Everything they instilled in me between the time I was 18 and 24, I still use and I still carried with me as a parent, as a mom. That's heavy. And um, I want to, at the, at the end of this, I want to uh, extend an invitation somehow, some way uh, for somebody who may need to further have a conversation with somebody, maybe uh, a lady uh, who needs to talk to another lady, you know, to extend that or at least some, some direction that you can give them, because I think that is so important. So it is with men. Um, I think um, so many, and, and as a pastor and I pastored for 20 years, I spent so much time talking to young men and that that same trauma happens with young fathers and young men. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We we see mm-hmm. that as well. So I, I think um, I think it's so important that we kind of help uh, adults as we help as um, we help uh, the children. Let let me ask, just for the sake of time, mm-hmm. and um, I want to ask you as it relates to uh, goals setting goals. Um, because I know sometimes for children it's unrealistic. I never forget asking my. Uh, one of my children, I asked him, I said, well, how much money do you want to make? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I asked him, how much, what kind of house do you want to live in? What kind of car do you want to drive? What kind? And what you find out is when you talk to them, their, their ideas are so far away from 
reality. It's like, well, if I can make $15 an hour, if I can make $10 an hour, and I'm like, okay, let's do the math. Let's do, get your pen and paper. Let's do math. So you can realistically see that that you're talking about in the lifestyle. You know what I mean? That you can make a real re- connection. Uh, it's just, just, so, just how far off they really are in some la-la land. And, and of course, <laughs> Christmas is right here. And yeah, some yeah. of these kids have this crazy <laughs> expectation of, well, what do you want for Christmas? And it's like, do you really think I'm going to give you $1,200 to take $1,200 cash and give it to you just so you can have bragging rights amongst your friends and you take my 12 and go blow it on some... No, that's not going to happen. How, how, I don't know you got something about that, but how, how, how do we... How does how do we take we set our kids down and say, you know, and per, set goals like like we talk about adults setting goals. Uh, how do parents sit down and and set goals for the kids? I did it once with Angela. I must admit once, uh, but at least we had some. At the ends of it, we had some direction and we had yeah. some clear and concise goals. I felt good about them. He felt good, whether he achieved them or not. At least we had direction. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll pass it yeah. back to you. Yeah, I, I I read recently. I can't recall the the person's name. It's a male. He he said he didn't believe in setting goals. He felt that setting goals was I'm going to paraphrase was setting people up for failure because if you didn't make if you missed it you felt like you were a failure. Right. I I, I think that we're all wired differently. Right. Okay. Um, I think that we are all. That's not my belief. I believe though that we as individuals as humans some of us are challenged we are individually challenged some of us are um, externally challenged so I'm a former teacher and so I believe in intrinsic and extrinsic intrinsic comes within it's from you Mm -hmm. and extrinsic comes you know it's it's from others right and so um, as as teachers our students come to us and um, they're going to learn extrinsically. It's because mama said, daddy said, teacher said, principal said, I got to sit in this classroom and I got to learn this information. Mm-hmm. Um, our goal is for you to learn over time, right? Hopefully within that year, you begin to learn and, and intrinsically, meaning yes. you are learning because you desire it, you want it, right? Yes. And so when you, when you talk about goal setting, um, my mind from a young child has all I'm a creative I started writing when I was nine I started my I wrote my first story at nine I went to ad school as a creative I went again I have an MFA creative writing so I am a creative uh, and mm-hmm. I'm a writer and mm-hmm. so but and so I dream big I'll say that I dream big I okay. dream really I'm a visionary CEO that's just who I am right but yeah. when it comes to things that are concrete, when it comes to tangible, when it comes to executing, what I fall back on and I draw on is how I learned the New York City public transportation system, right? The subway system. Mm-hmm. There's a logistical order to it. Yes. When I talked about me getting from point A to point B and I talked about it's not just transportation, it's not. It's about life. When we set goals, it really is a it's sitting down saying, I am here at A. How do I get to B? 
mm-hmm. right? In order for me to get from East New York and Brooklyn, New York, to get to my Aunt Paula's house in Red Hook, I have to make a decision. Am I going to take the train to get there? Am I going to take the bus to get there? If I take the train, I have to walk this many steps to the train station, go down the stairs, catch the, wait for the train. Do mm-hmm. I take the express? Do I take the local? Once I get off, do I take another bus? Do I walk? Right? I have to take, I have, there are all of these steps for me to get from point A to B. And then I have to compare that and say, okay, well, what if I take the bus? And then if I take the bus, then I have to wait for the bus, and then maybe the bus will take me 30 minutes, and how many buses do I have to take? But mm-hmm. ultimately, I have to look at the pathway in which to get from point A to point B. And the first thing that we do is we have to sit down and really just write it out. Like, it doesn't have to be, because sometimes we sit down and we think about all of the many steps sometimes what I approach is what is it that you want to do? Well, I want to go visit Aunt Paula. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to work for Disney. I want to go and I want to work for Apple. Okay. That's wonderful. I love when my students can live in the La La Land. I really do. Yes. Because the La La Land helps to paint the picture. Yes. The La La Land is the creative visualization. It's the manifestation that it takes. And it becomes the intrinsic thing. Because mm-hmm. when you do the opposite of, listen, you need to go and be a lawyer, you need to be a doctor, you need to be an engineer, you need to be a computer science. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, I don't even first want to do that. But like, <laughs> look at all the things I got to do before I can even get there. Right. There's nothing enjoyable about that. And nothing. so when we live in the la-la land of, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to Paula's house and she's going to make this like five-course meal and I'm going to get my favorite mac and cheese and I'm going to get my greens and I'm going to get my fried chicken and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, right? Or when I go and work for Disney, I'm going to do all, all of that helps paint the picture, right? Yes. Let them live in that place. Let us talk about it and let's build, blow it out as big as we can. And once we do that, and, and let me say this sidebar, as a creative who worked for Leo Burnett and I, I, I wrote ads for mm-hmm. a living, oh, they would say, come up with a million dollar idea. I love that. I yes. didn't talk about all the details that are required. I didn't talk about the many drafts and the rounds of, you know, being kicked out of the creative room like, nope, 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 nope. No, I didn't get there. I just lived in the million dollar idea. And once I was able to do that, then I went back and I looked at, now how am I going to get there? Mm-hmm. How are we going to chart this path and what is it going to take? And every time that I felt like once I wrote it out, once I was able to write it out and I looked at all the steps, is it worth it? Is there a shorter path? Because there's an objective, right? The objective is to work for Disney. The objective is to work for Apple or Google, right? The objective is to be a doctor. There are paths that are shorter, right? But I got to play them all out. And I don't think that we often give our children enough time to just play in it. We tell them what they're going to do because money is a factor, um, time is a factor, or I want you to live like, I want to live vicariously through you, so I want to tell you what I want you to do because I didn't get a chance to do it. Mm. Lord have mercy. You, you know, with uh, with Angelo, it was... Uh, he he didn't he didn't know what he wanted to be. He didn't. So it's like, well, what, what do you want to do, man? You know, it, it, I, I think interactive, like you said, the interactive is important. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk. What do you want to be? What do you think? 
What do you see yourself doing? What do you like doing? What do you love doing? And then mm-hmm. once you figure that out, then like you said, then I can say, well, you know, he said he wanted to play the drum. I bought him a drum set. He didn't play that whole five hundred dollars a drum set. He didn't touch the thing for about a year or so. Finally, he picked up sticks. Some strange way, he picked up sticks at church. The drummer was gone. He started tapping. I said, okay, you're going to drum play. He started tapping on it. He started getting a little good at it. He came home and he started playing the drum set. He saw somebody better than him. And he brings me the drumsticks and says, I don't want to play no more. I said, no such thing. Why? Because you saw somebody good. I said, how do you think that got good? So, but he was, Angela was great at the time at playing uh, video games. I said, let me ask you a question. How long, what's the longest you ever played? You're really good. You could tell everybody around was like, Angelo's the man to come to video game. I said, how, what's the longest you ever sat and played this video game without stopping? He said mm-hmm. that maybe about eight to ten hours. I said, What? <laughs> he said, When I got up, I was so dizzy. <laughs> and I said, Now, with that that you are really good at, how do you think you got that good? He said, I just kept playing over and over. And I said, He kept practicing. So I was able to draw out of that a principle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that practice, you continuing to practice is what made you get good and be able to go to all these other. That's a principle that you can apply to any other thing you want to do in life, sir. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, though, but there is sometimes, you know, let, we go back to how we first started. We we don't have as much time as we think. Right? We have three yeah. semesters with Guy and Braylon and one summer before they go off, you know, for Braylon, and if her thought is, yep, I'm going to college, right? This is a decision. Um, I, I believe, I don't believe that everything is for everyone. You have to know your child. Mm-hmm. And so that will be her next step, right? Yes. But you have to give them room to play. You have to give them room to imagine. You have to give them room. It's, their, it's, it's ultimately, they're the ones that have to show up. Now, I'm not saying it's always easy. You have, I have some parents who say, oh, my kids are not interested in school at all. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I understand that. And sometimes it's not that it's the school. Sometimes it's the environment, uh-huh. right? It's, it's, it's the environment in which they're in. And, and we don't have enough time because the time wasn't given to us. The grace wasn't given to us. This is what we know. This is how we're parenting because we do adopt uh, and adapt a lot of our parenting behind those who parented us. Yes. And so until you can get into a space where as mom logics, our, our, our tagline is redefining black motherhood. We have to redefine it for ourselves, for our children so that they can learn to redefine it for themselves. I am not my mother my, and my children are not me. They deserve to have an opportunity to see what they want their life to be. Now, in this home, in whatever the rules are, however my value system is, whatever is being taught, it is preparing you for the world. But one day they will leave here and they will have to make decisions. And if we're always making it for them, if we're never giving them room, if we're never giving them opportunities to figure this thing out, they will always be in a space where they're dealing with a handicap. Man. Let me thank you. <laughs> thank you for for sharing. Um, and we pray that something is said or done 
to help encourage, inspire, inspire some mother, some father for sure as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no book out on it. Everybody's yeah. just trying. And, and like you said, hey, some of we just... We just mimic what we've done. I, I, you know, we say things like, good God, I sound like my father. I sound like my mother. For sure right. you got the same seasonings in your cabinet as your mama had. You know? <laughs> and, and if you raise on Joy and Dawn, that's probably what you have. And if hey. it's Cheer or Fab, or yeah. then you pretty much have that unless you change some. But, but so much of it, we get from what we were raised. And some writing, then yeah. truth be told, some of it's not some some of it's wrong some of it's right some of it's wrong and then some of it it just does not apply in this new thing that's going on but and, the, and I, let me add this and some of it is just <laughs> it's just different you know what i mean some of it is not i mean i've had conversations with my elders i speak about my aunt paula i say hey, no disrespect I, you have had your opportunity you have raised your children the way you wanted to because that is what you chose to do and I am choosing to do the same thing. So we have to be able to live in a space of love. It's not always a right or wrong. It's just a different choice. Different. And as I redefine it for myself, I want it to be me that's making a choice to raise them. And it's the same thing I'm saying to Alec and Braylon. You may not like the seasons I use. Like that may be your springboard, right? But you may decide that something else works differently for you. Like I learned, like I'm allergic to gluten. I didn't know that. I always had stomach problems, but didn't know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, there's something called gluten. Oh my God. I need everything gluten-free now, right? Okay. And, and so it's, it's, I don't believe that they did anything um, egregious. I believe they no. gave us what they knew. And yes. I believe that it's also, we have to find that space to say, with all due respect, mama, daddy, mama and them, auntie and them, grandmama, and everyone else who was had a hand in it. I love you. But with all due respect, I want to choose to do this my way. At least let me try it. Now, if it don't work, I'm going to come back. Because some of the stuff we get, the wisdom, where would you get that from? I don't know. It was just told to me. And, and, and quite frankly, I don't know where they got all of it from. I know that some of it is survival. I get it. I get our ancestry. Yes. But I also know that some of it is just because that's that's what they need to do. Right? It's like riding a horse and buggy. <laughs> that's all we have. Right. So, right? It, it's like it's like, right? And now we got electric cars that don't need no gas. And we gotta stop at a at a Walmart or wherever to, to charge up the battery. So it's the evolution. It's 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 us evolving. Um, and at the end of the day, let me say this: we all want healthy and loving relationships with our children, our families, right, and the people that we we love the most. And in order for that to exist, it's not only one way; it has to be both. So we have to make room, make room. for the differences we do. We have to make room. Amazing. Let me ask you, uh, I got two final questions. The one mm-hmm. question is, if there's a mother or someone that wants to get in touch, ask more questions, get more information, where might they find you or how can they get in contact with you and or the organization? Yeah, so we have a website, momlogics.com. Uh, there is an info at momlogic. So check out our website, which is, of course, the www. But it's momlogic.com, and I'll spell it, M-O-M, 
L is in Larry, O, G is in girl, I, C is in cat, S.com. So momlogics with an S.com. Check us out there. Um, we have a private faith group, um, and it's, it's Mom Logics, the name of the company. Uh, we have a business page. We also have a private group um, that we ask to be a part of it, and we will access Mom. And then you can also send us an email at info at momlogics.com. Um, or you can send me an email, Lavelle, S as in Sam, H as in Harry, at momlogics.com. Absolutely amazing. Okay, my sec, my my last my last kind of question is: uh, as I pull this all together and and edit and add my little bit to it to post, what would you title this? What could we? I'm glad I don't have to do this myself. What <laughs> what, what 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 do you think we could title this? Hmm, great question. I actually wrote down when you first asked me to be a guest. I wrote down what you wanted our discussion to be. So I'm gonna I'm gonna find look let's see if I can find that. Um because uh, titles are key and um being able to find allow a space for here it is setting goals and preparing. Um being able to, to create something that parents are gonna tap in is important. I love the question of, you know, how do we, how do we prepare our children for the future? Um, and but you were really specific about in their future. And so what I know is that we all want our children to be successful. We want to raise them so that they can go out and be successful in the world. Mm-hmm. But we also want to prepare them. And I believe that that's something that parents still struggle with. Mm-hmm. How do I prepare my children to be successful? Um, how do I prepare them for the world? And mm-hmm. as you said, how do I prepare? Um, how do we prepare our children, or how do you prepare your children for their future? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, and and if you want to flip it, um, prepare you your know, children you for all, the future. Yeah, yeah prepare, prepare. Um, yeah, I would say um, if you want to use a call to action and, you know, start with a, uh, a call to action, um, you said something like gear in the new year, but it's also um, pre- preparing, preparing your children for, um, mm, Mm. Here we go. Okay. Preparing your children for the future, setting goals and setting intentions. Um, setting goals and setting setting an intention. Setting intention. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. All right. I, I, I can yeah. But well, you got you got you got something to play with, right? Yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. 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 And, and I think it really speaks of, and it really says it, you know. And I'll be able to kind of elaborate in the. Uh, in the description of it, but at least that's that's it. Preparing children for the future. Ah, that's so good. Listen, let me thank you so much for uh, taking the time and making the time to share it with me and with others who will tune in to this. I really appreciate it. I want to say yeah. Merry Christmas to you and Happy Merry New Christmas. Year. Thank and you. Hope- Happy New Year to you as well. 
All right. And uh, we'll be in touch. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye.